Well, good morning, Grace Church of DuPage. Thank you for being here this morning. I hope it is well with your soul. I do. There are times when the Lord has allowed us to go into the real deep end of the pool. And uh, thankfully, we don't spend all of our time in the deep end of the pool. But if all, of, all of us will spend time in the deep end of the pool. When you feel like you're not going to be able to keep your head above water because the water's so deep. And that's where it's really, really important to be able to say in those times, no matter what happens with this water in relation to my nose and my head, it's well with my soul. Because it is well between me and the God who created me because of what Christ has done for me. So I hope you're experiencing that wellness of soul this morning. It invites you to take your Bibles, if you brought one, and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. You'll see the Pew Bible, which I'm really thankful for, the Pew Bible numbering up on the screen. It's always interesting jumping into certain chapters of Scripture because you're left with a choice. Do you read an enormous chunk of Scripture or do you skip an enormous amount of Scripture to get to the point you're going to read? So we're choosing the latter in this case. But those who are familiar with the book of Acts will know that Acts chapter 2 records the day of Pentecost, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon God's new covenant people. And even though we're going to begin our reading in verse 36, there is so much that goes on before that. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the message itself, but if you want a detailed point-by-point, verse-by-verse, thought-for-thought exposition of that, certainly go back and revisit our our website. We have it on there. The A-team did that. The B-team this morning is just going to brush over some things. I keep calling Pastor Pastor Daryl the A-team. I'm trying to puff him up a little bit so I get a good evaluation. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to begin in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 36. We're going to read through the end of the chapter, understanding, of course, that we have skipped over quite a bit, but hopefully it'll be brought to light a little bit later on. So Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 36, we find these words from the mouth of the apostle Peter. Let all the house of Israel know, therefore, for certain that God has made him... Christ, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 
And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. In awe, awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. And all who believed had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Hey, join me in prayer. Father, our desire, our desire right now is for your spirit to cause great awe in this room. Our desire this morning, Father, is for your spirit to cut to the heart of those who come in here apart from you. Our desire this morning, Lord, is just to see the awesomeness of your wisdom in purposing an order for how your kingdom will spread, how the Great Commission will be fulfilled. Help us to see this beautiful plan in all of its glory, in all of its oneness, not, not breaking apart components like, a, like a, an unassembled bicycle on our garage floor where there's bits and pieces everywhere. Help us to see the beautiful continuity, the oneness of your purpose and plan so we can give you all of the glory for arranging it that way. Father, bless your children this morning. We are so in need. Help us by your Spirit to understand what you want us to understand. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. When you're called to, to, to teach the Word of God, you have to honor some commitments. So one would be obviously you need to you need to be faithful to the Word of God. Secondly, you have to avoid certain things, like you have to avoid over-mentioning family. So I won't mention that it's my eldest daughter's 22nd birthday today. <laughs> you also have to be really careful about using the same type of illustrations, the same subject matter. This is going to shock you, but I always end up at food. I don't know why that is. So I was told by an a old preacher one time, not talking about you, Daryl, an old preacher one time, an old preacher one time, be careful you're not always using the same form of illustrations. I'm chucking it out the window because I don't really know much else other than Jesus and food. So... I'm going to share with you a transparent, a transparent disappointment um, in my life, and that is when my parents took me to this wonderful restaurant when I was like eight years old. It was really fancy. I was wondering why I had to wear, I couldn't wear my tough skins with the holes in the knees, right? So I knew this was special. 
You people have no idea what tough skins are if you're under like 40, and that's okay. And I remember going there, and I remember the look of, 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 of distress in my dad's eyes when it came time for me to order, and I said, I'll have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now, looking back now, I could have had the sirloin of the steak. I blew it, and I ended up, because out of my ignorance, I'm going to order peanut butter and jelly. They're ordering shrimp and all these other things. I'm there with peanut butter and jelly. But my parents, who, who chose to, to, to tolerate and humor me and push me on, and I, I suffer from those effects even today, said, let them have the peanut butter and jelly. Bad decision. But then a great disappointment because what happens is they put a sandwich in front of me. It doesn't look right. And I say, because again, at this point, I'm a peanut butter and jelly connoisseur at age eight, right? So and, and like, what? And, and the server, and I believe, it was, I believe it was a female at the time, says, yes, sir, that's peanut butter, but not jelly. I was appalled. <clears throat> Have you ever just had one of those? It just ain't right. I muscled through it. I did 12 cups of water. I, you don't separate peanut butter and jelly. All right, let's pray, and then we'll dismiss. That's my message for the day. Whoa. See, this is why I love this crowd. Is that Jeff Goodman again? Just kidding, Jeff. There are some things you just don't separate. Combinations that are meant to be together. Dare I say purposed by God to be together. Peanut butter and jelly being one of them. And if you separate them, they're not as good because the, it's not the purpose for them to be separated. They're just not as good individually. Nick Connor. What a precious brother Nick Connor is. I, I just thank God for Nick and for Angel for Moira and for Latham and for Autumn and for Maeve. And Nick did a wonderful job the last few weeks helping us think through, think through the, the Great Commission. Helping us to think through the Great Commission. And in that, Nick refused to separate the peanut butter and jelly. And I thank him for that. He refused to separate the Great Commission from the church. Because they're not meant to be separated. They were both created and purposed to be together. He brought us to passages such as kind of the classic Great Commission passage, Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now based on that, go and make disciples of all the nations. All of them. This is going, this is going outside of the walls of Israel and Judah. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And the Great Commission is, 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 is a truth that you can look at from many different camera angles. Matthew 28 can be seen as Christ commanding a gathering. The shepherd gathering 
the flock. Building his flock. We can also, we can also look at it from a different angle. A different angle. If you were to go back a few chapters in Matthew 16, beginning in verse 15, we find these words. After he asked, hey, who, who, are the, who are the people saying that I am? Some say John, some say Elijah, some say the prophet, whatever. They're, they're given all sorts of answers. And Christ says, but who do you? This, is, this might be one of the most important questions that God asks us. Who do you, you, say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then he says, and Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock... I will build my church. What is the rocks? The Peter's of the confession. That might be if you want to buy me lunch, I got a couple of restaurants. We'll talk about it. It's not now, though. I want to get to this. And the gates of hell shall not pre- prevail against it. What will the gates of hell not prevail against? The church. Why? Because it's Christ who builds his church. So I don't worry about the church going down in flames no matter what's happening. You think somebody could be Christ? Ain't going to happen, and it's Christ who's building his church. So we can not only view the Great Commission as a gathering, a gathering of the flock, we can also see the Great Commission as a building of Christ's church. And that church is both the calling of people into a heavenly manifestation. So someday around the throne of Christ, the whole of the redeemed, no matter if you're in Warrenville, Sacramento, Nairobi, Kiev, wherever it is, that one universal church is going to stand together before the Lamb and praise His name for all of eternity. Oh, glorious day. And the return of Christ which will usher in that glorious day. That is our blessed hope. But there's also a local manifestation of the redeemed, and that is simply called the local church. Those who enter the church universal, you're going to be around that throne for all of eternity. Full joy. Those who enter the church universal by faith are called into fellowship with the church local. That's God's purpose. It's God's purpose. If you were in my starting point class or if you were in, we talked, I think, about the church maybe in Sunday school a little bit. The local body is God's instrument. It's his instrument. That's his plan and that's his purpose. We'll talk a little bit about what that looks like, but we can't separate God's universal church from his local church. It's 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 where the the those who are part of the church, the body of the redeemed, 
to grow in Christ's likeness under the care of elders, being, being helped along in sanctification by others in the body. The local church is a visible expression of the new covenant community called by God, having their sins forgiven, living together, seeking to love God and love others more than themselves. This is where that is played out for all the world to see. And this more than ever is a time when our world needs to see that. By this they shall know that you are my disciples if you love one another as I have loved you. And to that church, the Lord of the church, Jesus Christ, has given two ordinances, two commanded actions that the church is to do until the Lord of the church returns. Until the Lord of the church returns. One is a marking. It is a marking that you are one of the covenant people of God. The other is a meal, a meal that is celebrated by those who are the covenant people of God. That's what the Lord of the church has left us with. That is the, that is the sign of a true church, among other things like being faithful to the word, uh, church discipline, uh, uh, the, the carrying out of the ordinances, which I already said. Things, things such as preaching a true gospel, that salvation is by faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, according to the scriptures alone. All these things are the mark, a sign of a true church. This is what Christ has left his church with and demands from his church. And how God has chosen to work in this way that you see before you on the screen Marking certain people as his, this is nothing new. This is nothing new. This isn't some novel, novel thing. I remember when I was teaching, I, I had a portion of, of Acts to teach where Acts, or pardon me, Paul is in front of the Jewish rulers, and his basic posture was, fellas, this ain't nothing new. You're, you're claiming this, is, that's why you're coming after me. Even Christ, or the, the charges against Christ, he's bringing something new. He wants to do away with Moses. He wants to destroy the temple. Christ's saying, I, I, didn't come, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So this is, there's continuity in this from Old Testament to New Testament. The Old Covenant era had a marking. And that marking was circumcision. A physical act performed on all of the males, old initially, all guys right now are saying ouch, and young after the initial, or old for those from outside of the nation who wanted to come into the nation. This was part of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And, and listen to how serious God takes this mark. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of the foreskin shall be cut off. The worst thing you could hear 
is the thought of being cut off from God. For he has broken my covenant. God is, in essence, saying, my people will have an outward mark, circumcision. Or circumcision is going to be the mark that says they are mine. A cutting away of the body part, which, which was known, the part that was removed was uh, the part, an area that passed along disease easily, which was symbolic of the, the, the passing of the inward disease, sin and death, which comes through Adam. That's Romans chapter 5 in your afternoon study. But even in these things, brothers and sisters, it was never the outward mark that saved. It was never the outward mark that saved. It was always faith, like Abraham, who displayed the faith that counted him righteous before he was circumcised. It was never the mark that saved. It was always faith. It was possible to take the outward mark and be lost. Then, as the Bible story progresses, those in covenant through circumcision are brought into slavery to the nation of Egypt. And are gloriously rescued. Oh, read the book of Exodus. Gloriously rescued by their God. Through the working of miracles. Through the clear leading of God. And through the killing of the firstborn in Egypt. Anyone, anyone who didn't have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and lentil of the door had their firstborn killed. But there was a way out. It was the blood of the Lamb. And they are led out of Egypt on, on their way to the land promised to their father Abraham. And now to the mark, and now to the mark, and now to the mark comes a meal. They are told to set aside a special meal called the Passover and in that Passover meal, they were to celebrate the blood of the Lamb which allowed the angel to pass over, to allow God's judgment to pass over them. Oh, that's really important to remember, especially in the season we're entering into. Who could celebrate this meal? Anybody? Walking off the street? Just celebrate the meal? No. Exodus chapter 12 lays out the precepts of that meal, and in that laying out of the precepts, we find this, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. If you didn't have the mark, you weren't allowed in the meal. Separating the peanut butter and jelly was not allowed. It came together. Only those who had taken the mark, who were identified as one of God's people, could partake in the meal. And on their way to the promised land, God makes yet another covenant. We call that the Mosaic Covenant, made at Mount Sinai. This would come to be known as the Old Covenant. It's important to know that because we're going to start talking about New Covenant in a little bit. 
It's the title of the message, the mark and meal of the new covenant community. Israel was called out of Egypt, given a promised land, in order to affect the whole world, just as was promised to Abraham. You could look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, and it speaks of this great mission, which remains the mission of the church today, to be, to be a a nation that clearly has the one true God near to it. To be the one nation that is so near to God and His righteousness and His truth that the law that we follow, the law that we follow, the precepts and teachings of God set us apart as a righteous people and are the nearness of our God who is all wise and amongst the world that is just built on foolishness. Those who have God near to them, the all-wise God just show a wisdom as they live amongst the unbelieving foolish. That was the mission of Israel. And that is to be the mission of the church. God rescues a people and makes covenant with them. And then in Exodus chapter 19, we find these words, Now therefore, this is right before the giving of the law, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You should be thinking of 1 Peter 2 at this point. We hear that. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So the old covenant people of God were to be circumcised, Abrahamic covenant, and keep the law, Mosaic covenant. Neither circumcision or law keeping could save you. It was only faith that would fully and finally save. The problem is with circumcision is it may alter the body. It may alter the body, but that's not ultimately where the problem is. It doesn't alter the heart. It doesn't alter the heart. So God gives us a clue as to what circumcision is a picture of in both Deuteronomy 10, 16, which I'll put up there, and it's also found in Jeremiah 4, 4. He says, Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and no longer be stubborn. So circumcision is a picture of something, removal of something, that, that is diseased. And, and it's a picture of something inside of us. And he uses language in Deuteronomy, and Jeremiah uses language as well, to remove the foreskin, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Meaning, turn and walk by faith and obey me. Don't give in to idolatry. It's everywhere. I am the God who rescued you. Be holy, and be holy, with a W, holy, devoted to me. But to do that, you're going to have to circumcise your heart. Because your heart is going to want to go its own way, 
And we know all too well that Israel as a nation went its own way. As a whole, it did not keep the covenant. Despite their outward circumcision, they rebelled against God. And the fruits of that was being taken captive as God promised if you break, if you break his old covenant, the Mosaic covenant. And yet God, in the midst of all this, one thing I love about God, when the sky is falling, there's always promise. And God makes a promise. He points to a day where there will be a new community. A community in which God will be the gatherer and God will be the builder. Later on in Deuteronomy, we find the promise of this when it is said, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. So living comes from a life that is manifested by loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving others yourself, which it happens when the Lord God changes your heart. That's what God says is going to come. There will come a day when God will circumcise the hearts of his people. And these people, these people will be known for being remade from the inside out because God has remade them. They will, as this verse says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. We've been teaching through the Sermon on the Mount in our Thamelios class that I haven't been in in like two months. I am, I'm coming back, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. And, and what, what, that's, what that's, Christ is coming and he's, he's meeting all these folks who have the outward sign of circumcision, but inward, they're dead. And what they're relying on is the outward. And what Christ is coming to say is, well, 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 let's turn on the x-ray machine here. We need to look at the inward. That's where the problem is. You need to be born again. You need to be remade from above. You need God to circumcise your heart and give you a new nature. If any man is in Christ, he is new creation. It's the only way out of this. And God is, is, is foretelling of a time when that will characterize the new covenant people of God. The people of God will be built, brought into a better, a new and better covenant. Our ladies have just gone through the Jeremiah study. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not, not, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That was, that was my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, inside, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each other, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all 
know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Why? Why? What's the beauty of this new covenant? Oh, take a moment. I want you to take a moment and just focus like a laser beam at the end, at the end of verse 34. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. Is that you? If it is you, just take a moment and recognize that God doesn't remember your sins anymore. Oh, there's a goosebump. Woo! And it's 385 degrees up here. I'm shocked that happened. But in the new covenant, God will make this new covenant people of God, starting with the house of Israel and Judah, starting with the house of Israel and Judah. We see this in Acts 2. It's, it's right in Jerusalem. And then as time goes on, it fans out and encompasses the Gentiles as it was promised to Abraham. And it will be unlike the old covenant. The law will not be written on tablets of stone outside of man. It will now be written inside of man. Every, 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 one more time, every person in this covenant will know the Lord. Every person in this covenant will have their sins forgiven and remembered no more. Everybody, everybody in this covenant will be remade inside through the circumcision of heart that God affects. The new covenant people of God would have their entrance into the covenant paid for. Paid for. Oh, Lamb of God, paid for by the Son of God, by the Passover Lamb whose blood allows God's wrath, God's judgment to pass over us and fall upon Him. This is our Christ. This is the glory of the good news. How do we enter this? How do we enter Circumcision, law-keeping. We, we look at the Galatian air, right? The first thing the church has to confront is the Galatian air. People coming and saying, yeah, I know Paul said it's by faith alone and Christ alone, but hey, hey, don't forget these two things, circumcision and, and, and Moses, the law. So what they were doing is they were trying to keep these two things, circumcision and the law, circumcision law, Abrahamic covenant, Mosaic covenant, are trying to carry those two things. They're trying to put the new wine into old wineskins. It's not how it happens. It's simply by trusting in the Lamb of God alone. It's the only way in. There is no other way in. So one of the things we get as Christians sometimes, is we get the accusation that we are needlessly exclusive. We must be exclusive because there is no other way in except through Christ. There is no other way. That's how God has purposed it. We enter in through trusting in Christ, believing in Christ. No more mere outward signs. No more Israel where you had everybody circumcised and there were some that believed and some who rebelled and didn't believe at all. 
No more of that. It's done in the new covenant age. But the question is, as I start to wrap up my introduction, <laughs> hey, Rule, what time's your dinner? I just want to make sure. Who's toy Who decided to put a clock back there? That's a really bad idea, by the way. That was not my doing. I've never seen that before. In this new covenant community, in this new covenant community, known for the inward work of God, people who have been born again, does there still remain an outward mark? Yeah, there is. Glad it's not circumcision. But there's a fundamental difference. And that difference is reflected in the difference in the covenants. Covenant inclusion in the Old Covenant, being part of the Old Covenant, began with the outside. Co the, the New Covenant mark, which we're going to argue is baptism, is a response that happens to something inside. That's a huge difference, a massive difference. And getting those confused has caused much consternation in Christ's church. This is the same thing. This is the same thing with the New Covenant mark, what you see right there. In the New Covenant, change begins on the inside, and then the inside is reflected on the outside. The inside, having our hearts circumcised by God, is portrayed by an outward mark, baptism, that identifies that we are His people. Where circumcision was a mark given only to males, but to all males, whether they truly believed or not, baptism is a mark given to male and female alike that shows that you've been remade internally by God. And that very remaking is symbolized. So baptism class, you were in there with me a couple times. You've heard this. You've heard this. What's, what's going to happen in that pool, that fonts, whatever you want to call it in a few weeks, is glorious. For those who get to witness it, for those, the guy who's going to lower and raise up, for those who are undergoing it, this is the height of worship. In that, in that, in that symbolizing in baptism, we are showing, we are symbolizing the fact that we have believed in Christ's death. And our old self has died, symbolized by going under the water. The outward is reflecting the inward. I have trusted, inside, trusted in Christ's death. God has remade me inward, and the old self has died. It's reflecting what God has done as it goes under the water. We are also symbolizing by coming up what God has done. I believe by coming up under the water, I, I believe that God raised Christ from the dead. And 
He raised me, Ephesians 2. He has raised me spiritually from the dead to die no more. That's what's symbolized. That's what's pictured. That's what's being portrayed. The awesome saving power of God on display through the waters of baptism. That's the mark of the new covenant people. Much like the covenant of circumcision identified certain people as God's possession, so the waters of baptism identify a certain people as Christ's possession. In baptism, we are baptized into Christ. We are baptized into Christ before a watching world. Romans chapter 6. So we could say it this way. It is in baptism. It is in baptism that we see a truth that straddles, that straddles both the universal church and the local church. Straddling, right? So you got a line and you're on either side of it. So you got both. You're straddling this. Baptism is a confession that you have trusted in Christ and you have become a member of the church universal. You will be around that throne. You are adopted into God's family where he's your father and he pours his fatherly care out upon you every second of every day. But then also, it is the mark necessary for entrance into the local church. It straddles both of those This is clearly evident in the text that we turn our attention to now that my, oh, that my introduction is over. Todd's cleaning this all up next week, so please please pray for Todd Walker. We know that Acts chapter 2 records the day of Pentecost, a day when the Spirit of God comes in a particular way and the gathering. Remember we talked about the Great Commission being the gathering in the building the gathering of the flock, the building of the church. This is where the gathering and the building begins. Verse 14 begins a sermon by Peter in which he is going to be our tour guide, a tour guide for the Jewish people as God ushers in the new covenant age. He starts by pointing to the prophet Joel in verses 17 through 21. It's an age of fulfillment. Then his, aid, then his attention turns to Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, the Lamb of God, a man attested to the Jews by God with signs and wonders, a man predetermined by God to die for his people. The, 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 the Jews couldn't put together the fact that the great coming Messiah would die. Where God's plan was for the great coming Messiah to come to die. And the sign that they were in deep trouble is the fact that the Jews were culpable. They were to blame for Christ's death. And what made it even worse is he didn't stay dead. So now you're in real trouble. He's alive. He's alive. Loosing the pains of death. Death that couldn't contain him. Fulfilling Psalm 16 telling the Jewish people that the king that you hold in highest esteem, David, he spoke of this guy. 
And Jesus was raised and sits at the right hand of the Father. You, you know, the one that you rejected and killed. He was raised and he sits at the right hand of the Father. And now, in fulfillment of Psalm 110, he's at the right hand of the Father until the Father makes Christ's enemies his footstool. Do you, you want to be found fighting against that one? You're nuts. That's not in the text. That was an addition. Think about how that had to sound to a Jew in this day. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're an enemy of God? We? We? Not the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amalekites. We are going to be made God's footstool? Us? Peter says in verse 36, in this beautiful summation, hey, let all the house of Israel... Therefore, now for certain, know for certain that the Father has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. You, you know this Jesus that you killed. And this cuts to the heart of some. And they said, we did. We did. This is him. This is him. And we killed him. What do we do? And Peter says, repent. Repent and be baptized in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a turning away from sin and rebellion and, and turning towards God, towards Christ, towards the forgiveness offered by Christ, towards the reconciliation. You move from footstool to son. Verse 41 tells us that they received Peter's word. What word? All of it. About who Christ was. They receive it. They believe it. Who Christ was. How you must believe who he was. How you must trust and what he did. Because if you reject that, there's no hope at all for you. God has made an offer in Christ of salvation. Now, therefore, save yourself from this crooked, perverse generation. Repent and believe everything I have told you and be baptized. As an outward sign that you have entered the new covenant in which there's forgiveness of sin, in which there's reconciliation with God by faith. And in the rest of the passage, as we look to land the plane, which means we're under 40 minutes now, and in this passage, I want you to notice an order because this is what the building of Christ church looks like. This is what the building of Christ church looks like. In verses 40, 38 and 41, we find the command to repent in response to the message of who Jesus is and what he did, one needs to turn away from your rebellion. It could be something really big and scandalous like Acts 2 where, yeah, we, we killed him. We killed, the, we killed the Lord of glory. Or it could just be the fact that we live our lives thinking we are the God 
And we use the breath second by second that God graciously gives us. That breath, that's his that he lends us. We use that breath to rebel against him. Turn away from that. Turn away from that. And turn towards Christ. Believe. Believe and receive. Trust that Jesus is the only way to have God's judgment pass over you. Trust that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything the Scriptures has said about this coming Messiah who would usher in an age in which there is full and final forgiveness of sins. Trust Him as though He is the only way. There is no other way. There is no plan B. There's not even a 1A. It's Christ. Trust Him. It's our only hope. Then be baptized. Receive the mark of the new covenant people of God. Baptism. So we see repent in 38 and 41. We see believe, receive in verse 41. We see be baptized in 38 and 41. This would be incredibly risky for the Jews. This is why we have to really understand the idea of when we're in the waters of baptism, we are identifying with Christ. I remember, and I shared this with my last baptism class, talking to somebody who did some work on the Muslim mission field. And they told me, that I didn't, it didn't make sense to me at the time, they said, oh yeah, if you just confess Christ, they'll leave you alone. You get baptized, they're going to try to kill you. I said, why is that? Because what you're doing is you are publicly identifying with Christ. At that point, they know, they know that you're serious. It's like, wow. And for the Jews, think about the Jews that are hearing this, how risky it was. Here's somebody in this, in this swell of the, the, the Feast of Pentecost, right? In this swell. And what are they thinking about Christ? They're thinking he's a blasphemer who, who rightfully was put to death. We put an end to that. And what are they trying to do to those who are following Christ? They're, they're trying to silence them. They're, they're trying to do everything they can. Think of how risky it was for someone to step forward and said, I believe and I'm willing to be identified with him in front of that crowd. That's risky. But out of love for Christ and an understanding of what Christ did, there ain't any risk too great because he died for me to bring me back to God. Repent, believe, receive, and be baptized. Say that I'm with him. And here's one that we often, we often don't understand because this is really in seed form here. Seed form here. And that is simply to be added. Verse 41. Joined to an existing group. This is the local expression of the new covenant people of God in seed form. This group would later become referred to as the church in Jerusalem. And in seed form, 
we get to watch as Scripture, the story of God's redemptive kingdom starts to unfold. The tree starts growing and we learn, we learn that this church is protected and ruled by, by elders. This, this church is supposed to be a pillar and ground of the truth. This church is where believers are added as body parts to complete the body. This church is a place where they bear one another's burdens. The church is a place where believers sacrificially serve one another as an expression of loving others greater than you love yourself. The church is to be the place where we push one another towards love and good works. This is the glory of God's chosen instrument to do these things, the local church. And do you see the seamlessness here? Repent, believe, be baptized, be added. We don't separate the peanut butter and the jelly. It's seamless. And our last one is to, to, to act as one body. Verses 42 through 47. They lived a life of zealous devotion to Christ together. They were all in. Now we have to acknowledge they needed to one another and to be all in because they were going to suffer the ramifications of identifying with him before a hostile world. And God causes great power to rest upon this group that's all in. And at the end of verse 47, we are told that God was further, gather, further gathering his flock and building his church. And as you look at this list, you don't have the second without the first. You don't have the third without the second and so on. They are inseparable. They are interconnected. This is the ordering of the new covenant community, echoing the words of the Lord himself. Mark chapter 1, repent and believe the good news. Matthew 28, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Matthew 16, I will build my church. John 17, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. And part of that acting as one body are the things listed in verse 42, devoted to God's truth, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. The third one, and I'm going to be really quick with this, so I, I apologize, but Todd's going to come up with a big fat mop next week and mop this all up for me. This third one, the breaking of bread, would seem to point to a great fellowship, feast, or meal in which the Lord's Supper, the meal of the new covenant community would take place, fulfilling, fulfilling the Passover and here's where I'm, I'm now I, my, my landing gear is down. Here we go. In that meal, the new covenant community, we're about to celebrate this in a second. So just read this, read this, and then keep this near to your heart as we celebrate the supper in a minute. And in that meal, the new covenant community remembers and communes with the Lamb of God who has allowed for God's judgment to pass over them and lead them on an exodus out of slavery to sin, death, and condemnation, and is leading us towards the final and ultimate promised land. 
That's what's happening there. That's what's happening there. Those who have been rescued, those who have been rescued by Christ are His. Now come to the meal. Now come to the meal to celebrate those things in fulfillment of the Passover. So as we look at our list, as we look at our list, our question here is, Where are you in this order? Have you at all entered into this order? Is this the day where God is calling to you to save yourself from this crooked and perverse generation? Have you indeed trusted in Christ, but you've yet to take the mark of the new covenant people of God upon yourself through baptism? What is hindering you from identifying with Christ's death and resurrection in your place through the waters of baptism? Have you been added to the church? Right now, we've got a pretty uh, particular membership process, and we're going to talk as elders with the body at some point in the future about how baptism and membership, are, are, we, are we separating the peanut butter and the jelly? God doesn't separate the peanut butter and jelly. And are we acting as one? Do we see your participation in the new covenant people of God? as the place that you, where you manifest the greatest zeal in your life, Jesus Christ, in and amongst those whom he has called into the kingdom with you. If you have questions, if you don't know, if you're considering this Christ, come talk to me. Talk to Pastor Darrell. Talk to the person sitting next to you. And have them tell you about Christ. Join me in praying. And then I'd invite the musicians and those who will help celebrate, short for celebrate, celebrate the Lord's Supper. Join me up here. Father, thank you for your word and your purposing and a mark and a meal that sustains us. A meal, Lord, that is... uh, just such a beautiful picture of what you've done for us. Father, help us to see the glory of your wisdom and the purposing of your plan. And then for those of us who are, are, are part of that plan, called into the kingdom, Lord, may we just revel in your love. It is only because of your love, a love that will never leave us nor forsake us. It is only because of your love that we're here right now. Help us to drink these things in as we consider all of this. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.